This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Football Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that will do anything for love, but it won't do that. Uh, love was most definitely in the air on Saturday as we enjoyed one of the best days of this doom-laden season. For once, the excellent pre- and post-match was matched on the pitch as Chelsea romped home to an easy 5-1 win against Newcastle United. But, but... Were we really that good, or were Newcastle quite simply abject? Has the Chelsea juggernaut turned around, or will we be talking about our season being over on next week's show? Maybe we should just enjoy the moment, like the first body-tingling kiss in a new and exciting relationship. (laughs) I am Stanford Chidge, and the name of tonight's show is the Chelsea Football Fancast, Who Ate All the Magpies? Oh, yeah. good, I thought you'd like that. Yeah, even even Dr. Marr uh, recently on Facebook um, decided that that was wonderful and he liked that. But there you go. Right, on the show tonight, I've caught, apart from my good self, of course, we've got a cracking, cracking show tonight. We have got the wonderful Jonathan Kidd back with us. Oh, how sweet to be called jo- wonderful. I'm going to say sweet to be called Jonathan, but that's well, my name. Go. Yeah, uh, how we, lovely to be with you. Thank it's you. It's lovely to see you. We kind of missed you, I think, last week. Yes, I, I, I definitely I listened, agree. I listened to you. the end of the show. You know, it's, it's good, Chidge. It's very good. Did you enjoy it? I did, very much. It was, As you said, it was very intellectual. It was, wasn't it? And I thought, when I'm on, I bring it down to a completely well, different I actually, No, but I admitted that. I said, I said, blimey, it's all gone a bit intellectual. It's probably because me and Jonathan aren't there, sitting there trying to, you know... <laughs> Uh, upstage each other, you know, so we'll be back to normal this week, don't worry. Or maybe we won't, because I have, I mean, you know, it's just that the stars have collided this week, which means we've got these two fantastic gents on the show. We have got the lovely Dan Levine, the knowledgeable Dan Levine. Evening, lovely to be here, as always. Yes, and how are you, my friend? Uh, I'm just chipper, I'm, I'm still, I've got a little bit of afterglow from Saturday after that, that first gentle kiss you were talking about. Lovely. I had a bit of afterburn when I got home that night, that's for sure. When are you off to Paris, Dan? 
uh, tomorrow morning, bright and early on Tuesday, um, for the delights of Gay Paris. And uh, last, but by very me, uh, no means least, we have, uh, as Jonathan actually said on Twitter earlier on, we have the legendary Mark Worrell. Legend, of... legend, legend. There we go. We've got the legendary Mark Worrell of Gate 17, Inc. <coughs> Suffering with a little cough. Oh, have you got a bit of a cough, Mark, eh? A little bit. I oh, think I, I, had, I had two cigarettes on Saturday. Did you? Yes. Do you know what? I'll I'll be really honest, mate. I got so pissed uh, after the game. I mean, put it. I mean, we may well talk about this later if I get bored of talking about the football, which I usually do. Uh, I didn't leave the Rose Pub until quarter to twelve. Oh really? And and I only left because my wife phoned me up to say, "Are you still alive?" Uh, and and at which point I realised what time it was and and, and went. But then I realised I was so pissed, and I did that thing that that, that drunk ex-smokers do. Uh, I, I made a detour That's via the correct. Tesco. I made a detour via the Tesco garage and bought some fags, which is very stupid of me. But there we go. Anyway, it's lovely to have you, lovely, lovely boys, on the show tonight. I have I have good feelings about this show. I think it's going to be a cracker. Did you uh, put on Facebook that you loved everybody? Did I? Yeah. Oh, I did, didn't I? It yeah, was you did. Yeah, it was a wonderfully emotional, uh, very drunk. Uh, I was. I, I think I said very pissed. I love Chelsea and I love my mates. And then you did it again. <laughs> you put, we love you. I love you. I love you all. Oh, did I? Second time. Uh, I was so pissed. It was really funny. I had such a good day. It was a, it, for me. Actually, we'll talk about this later. For me, it was about as perfect as a day at Chelsea gets, and I shall explain what I mean by that later. But before doing that. On the show tonight, we'll be asking, was this a good win for Chelsea or were Newcastle just easy pickings? And uh, while the front three uh, for Chelsea may be firing on all cylinders, do we still have an issue in midfield? In part two, we'll be asking who should play in the number 10 role for Chelsea? Fabregas, Hazard, uh, William or Oscar? What is the best solution to our defensive crisis? Because we've now had it confirmed that JT is in fact out tomorrow. And how much will it affect arguably our biggest week in the season with PSG coming up tomorrow in the Champions League and Cite in the Cup of the weekend? In part three, we'll be asking Chelsea, love me, love me not. I mean, it was Valentine's Day yesterday, so I thought we'd have a bit of a love theme. Uh, but what I'm really talking about is, um, I mean, interestingly enough, I'm picking up on uh, Dan's article last week uh, where he wrote... Very interestingly, I, I can't remember because it's later on the script, but basically I picked up on that. And it's really, are, are many supporters falling out of love with the modern game? And dare I say it, Chelsea. Uh, we'll also be asking, what would be worse? Arsenal or Spurs winning the league? <laughs> sure, well, exactly. Surely that is a no-brainer. <coughs> now, to wrap up, in part four, we'll have the usual roundup of Chelsea supporters' news with some cracking emails from the listeners. Jonathan, there are two great emails this week for you to read. Yes. They're both from abroad, I believe. But they're You did all right without me last week, though. I know, I know. I had to do them. But you know what? I'm good, but I'm no Jonathan kid. Oh, you. I almost actually phoned up and said, I'll just read them. I won't be on the show. Oh, that would have been funny, actually. Yeah. We could, we could have uh, done that. A voice could have appeared. Yeah, no, well, I was tempted because I was listening, you see. Well, there we go. Um, so, yeah, there are a couple of good ones this week. Uh, one of them's from Mac Bergson and, and the other one's from Zuriel NG, both of whom nearly always listen live on Mixler, although I, I think Mac's not actually around this week, but uh, he sent us an email in lieu. So there we go. So, uh, you lovely people out there, of whom there are loads of people. We've got loads of people in the house with us tonight. Uh, don't forget, you can listen to the show live every Monday at 7 o'clock by going to Mixler, which is mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast, where you can join in the chat by posting on the live chat page. <coughs> Uh, you can also tweet at Chelsea Fancast during the show. Tell us what you think about the games and anything else. 
on Chelsea and I will do my best to interact with you uh, in a user-generated content styly. Uh, but as you know, I, I, I can't do three things at the same time, so I, I'm, occasionally I struggle, but I will do my best. Anyway, after this lovely, beautifully formed sting, we will be talking about Chelsea versus Newcastle United. <laughs> Actually, that, that terrible um, impersonation of, of a Geordie reminds me that I think Marco might have a, a, a friend of his who got so pissed on Saturday he didn't actually manage to make it back up north. Aye. I went to the Godfathers. <laughs> and? Well, it helped me forget about the game, like. <laughs> when the boat came in to Newcastle. With a little fishy on a little dishy. Then it be a bloater. All I've got to say, Marco, uh, really, I feel I should... Well, I mean, Marco, I would imagine, probably said this to, to his Geordie friend. Um, you're a big bloke, but you're out of shape. For me, oh. it's a full-time job. <laughs> Get Carter in it. Um, anyway, look, it, it, we, we were mentioning this before we went on there, and I've already kind of alluded to it when we've been on air. Um, I, I just read something really obliquely. On, I've, I've got the Mixler chat page up, and I flashed my eyes across it, and Tony Glover... Great pre-match in the cock. Massive laugh. Great chat. Three guesses for what I picked up obliquely reading that. I read great pre-match cock. I thought, what's he talking about? And then I suddenly <laughs> remembered that was the pub we were drinking. But actually, that's a really good place to start because it was a cracking day. Um, you know, I, I, as I said, Marco, it was one of those days where it just everything fell into place. I, I met you lot on the stool. You, you hadn't frozen to death by the time I got there, which was Funny a good enough, sign. I I had, I had, I met uh, the lovely Walter Otten at ten thirty. Yeah. And we went to the Maltsters, and I had a, I had a breakfast and two pints. So, that that was probably why I was in a good mood when you came to the stall at about twelve o'clock because I hadn't actually been there that long. <laughs> oh right. Well, I wasn't there that early. I mean, I never am. I mean, I'm, I'm crap at getting there on time. Was it later than that? I yeah. Can't. But anyway, I mean, I saw you, Jason. Uh, you know, Mark. What's his name? chuckles on twitter the cabbie my favorite oh, cabbie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he was there and then i went to the cock and rick and tim and it, i mean everybody was there johnny t walter was there tony glover absolutely brilliant but the best thing of the day and this this actually for me even better than the football uh was that um about two months ago these two lads from ireland one of them emailed me to say do you have any uh chelsea fan cast t-shirts and I said, to be honest, mate, I, I don't know, but I'll have a look. Anyway, I found a couple, and I said, look, I have. I've got a couple. There's only two left. Um, they're both large, so if, if you know, hopefully that's the right size. He said, great stuff. Can you send them to Ireland for me? Blah, 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 blah. And I said, yeah, yeah, no problem. Of course, me being me, I completely forgot. Uh, anyway, uh, when I got up to London on Saturday, I thought, I knew I was supposed to do something. Oh, my God, I was supposed to send those T-shirts to this bloke. Uh, and they were, in fact, Waylon and Mark. And anyway, I thought, you know what? I'll email him anyway, just on the off chance. And then I'll take the T-shirts with me. So I took the T-shirts along with me. 
And then I went to the cock pub, and I'm in the cock, having a nice pint with uh, with Waltz and uh, Rick and all of that lot. And this bloke just comes up to me, and he taps me on the shoulder and says, Are you Chidge? I said, Yes. I said, You're Waylon, aren't you? And he said, Yes. And I, I, I said, Here's your T-shirts. So how about that? Serendipity or what? And it basically just carried really? on in that vein. It was just a wonderful, wonderful day. Jonathan, I mean, did you enjoy yourself? Well, I, I always enjoy myself when the team win, especially so easily. Um but I had a, a, a Chelsea mate with me and I took him into the uh, um, the glorious um, uh, hospitality suite Aussies and um, we uh, we ate as one would expect. Uh, funnily enough, everybody talks about prawn sandwiches. May I say there are never any prawn sandwiches. There's a lot of smoked salmon and you get a nice meal there. So mm. that was very lovely and nice chats. And then uh, and then we saw the um, the delightful uh, thrashing of uh, a completely inept Newcastle side. Who were, Did, I'd love to say, Chidge, they were very poor. They were very poor, weren't they? I'm just, just to hold, hold fire on that, though. I mean, you know, Dan, I know, like you, Jonathan, he has a slightly different experience from 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 uh, from me and Mark. Oh, there we go. Mark Ireland. Ha ha, love it, Chidge, wearing it now. So Mark Ireland, CFC and Mixler, is the chap that I'm talking about. I don't know if Waylon's in there or not. But can, he... can, I, can I just speak yeah. up about the hospitality suite for a moment, which is... It, it was wasn't it was never a hospitality suite. It's grown up around us because mm. there were about forty supporters there who've been there for the last twenty five years, mm. and and Bates made it into a hospitality area uh, by slowly but surely introducing a restaurant, making the bar more expensive, then telling us that it was all <laughs> free and adding another wait another amount of money on the bill. So in fact, bizarrely, we get treated, we get these things to hospitality, but everybody are the same supporters for the last 25 years. Mm. You're a funny bunch up there, aren't you? But it's very lovely. I mean, I, I really did enjoy it when I went up there. Anyway, we should talk about the football. Sure. Uh, Dan, um, you know, you and I were talking about this before, but um, yeah. it's very difficult, isn't it? It was a very good win. It, you know, how can you not say that beating anybody 5-1 is not a good win? And what I like particularly... Um, was A, the speed and intensity and movement that buried Newcastle inside 20 minutes. But it was also, I think, it was really good to see Chelsea actually keep going, not get to two and go, oh, well, that's the game over, let's shut up shop, which is perhaps what might have happened with Jose. And then Newcastle would have got a goal back and then we would have shut ourselves for the next half an hour or whatever. It was good to see, wasn't it, Dan? Yeah, it was. It sounds like you've been reading my copy because I wrote something exactly like that this morning. I bet morning. you didn't say we would have shat ourselves. Well, I, I used words along those lines. You, you used clever words, <laughs> didn't you? Um, I thought it looked quite a lot like Gus had said to them, this lot of rubbish, go out there and take them at the, at the juggler from the start. Mm. And that's exactly what they did. And I, I thought that it was great that, as you say, that intensity was kept up yeah. and that they, they didn't take the, the foot off the gas at all and they showed no mercy whatsoever. Um, uh, Newcastle were god awful um and we have to put this win into a lot of context because of that but uh, you know as you say if you can go out this is what football is about isn't it if you can go out you can see your team play brilliant football get a great result you're not really going to complain about it are you no i mean and, and nor should we i mean the other thing that i think is interesting and this is a theme for me that's carried on a bit um marco but you know i thought costa he scores his seventh goal in eight premier league games and had great move looked like proper costa um, William, obviously superb again, although playing in the number 10 role. But I thought, you know, Pedro, who, I'll be honest, he's not my favourite player. And I've said many a time on this show that I just don't think he's good enough for the Premier League because he's too small, blah, 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 blah. But he had a blinder, didn't he? I mean, have I misjudged him a bit, mate? I, I don't think so. I, I think it is fair to say that Newcastle started that game 
Um, I don't know, like they've been in the pub all afternoon. <laughs> I, I can assure you, Marco, they were not with me in the cock. All right? no, Those no, rumours are completely unfounded. They, they were just hope, hopeless for the first 15 minutes. And I think, what was it? 3 0 after inside 20 minutes? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it, was, it, was, it was incredible how poor they were. But that's not taking anything away from. Um, you know, that goal Pedro scored was fantastic. He still had to put the ball in the back of the net. Um, and, you know, he, he took his chances. But w whether whether or not he's going to build on that performance, I mean, it's all about tomorrow, isn't it, really? Well, it is really, which we'll obviously talk about later. I, I, I agree with you exactly about Pedro. I thought he... You know, he 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 finished off those two goals really, really well. They weren't they weren't tappings. I mean, he still had a lot to do, and I thought he's clearly a good finisher. And it was nice to see him do it from outside of the box. I mean, Chips, what, will he will he what make? Do you it, think, J.K.? But will he make it into the team tomorrow, chaps? Do you think he'll go back? Uh, Gus will go back to the Mikel. Um, uh, Matic Matic can't play, can he? Because he's suspended. Matic's suspended. Yeah, he's suspended. I yeah. think I think Mikel is nailed on to start against PSG because um, he was rested against uh, Newcastle. Um, yes. and also but, and also matches is suspended as you said but as you as you brought you Dan you yourself said that we should we take um, Pedro playing well in this fixture seriously didn't you you said words yeah. that yeah a little bit I mean well, you're I, still I think, not completely satisfied with him are you yeah I think Pedro uh, is one of those players he probably looked very very good if you watched him match the day because he had a number of very good minutes but I don't think he had a particularly <laughs> outstanding hour and a half yes yes mm. but he, um, is, he, he did take the two goals excellently the uh the, the the control from Fabregas's punt up the pitch is was um, was terrific on his on his uh, shoulder and then down onto his foot to score the, the second his second one and the first one was just unbelievably accurate because he could have taken it closer and cocked it up but he didn't he just belted into the corner didn't he? it was uh, there was a fantastic picture uh, I saw of him looking at the ball just side footing from uh, from you know yards away just really really terrifically ac accurate lovely shot of him with his his with his body completely over the ball for a change rather than leaning back and blasting it over the bar which appears to have been uh, something he's done for most of the season when he I mean, to be fair JK I thought they were they were all really really good goals and I've got I've, I and mean, they were. I I am I'm, I'm inclined to forget this uh, because I forget things but for me the pick of the bunch was Triori's goal and I just thought it was yeah. absolutely it was lovely to see him score the first goal ever scored by somebody from Burkino <laughs> Faso in the Premier League but it was I mean I, I, I celebrated that goal in a very very different way it, it was a very joyous celebration because I just thought it was such a beautiful goal and it was lovely to see us do that so special mention oh, to him for that Oh, Bernard Troyer, Bertrand Troyer, yeah, good song. I'm, I'm pleased that he, because he's obviously making progress. I'm, you know, I'm happy that he's second striker at the moment. Doesn't he gets in ahead of um, Remy, doesn't he? Um, yeah, he's being picked ahead. But he, well, let's hope so. Let's hope so. Let's hope yeah. so. But, the, but that, but that then follows what he was doing at, uh, at Vitesse, wasn't it? Where he scored a hatful last year. Whereas um, um, Jose stuck him on the wing yeah. every time he played him. Whereas Gus is playing him centrally. Well, you know, I think, I mean, Gus was getting a bit of stick, wasn't he, really, last week? Because, you know, the perceptions were being a bit negative and playing lots of draws. But I think at the end of the day, I think that we'll see that his steadying influence will be really good. And I think he will bring some of these kids through. And, I, and I'm delighted to see it. Anyway, look, enough of that. I just want to have a, a quick, uh, before we talk about, well, have we really turned it round? I just want to talk about Fabregas, because um, I'm amazed that Gary Wilson, who I know is in here, hasn't already put in loads of digs on Mixler about me and Fabregas. 
Um, but fair, you know, fair's fair. I, I thought his some of his passing was absolutely sublime, and and, and and he was at his creative best on Saturday. Having said that, um, I do feel he was given the freedom of London by Newcastle, Marco. <laughs> no, I, I totally agree. I, I mean, I do, I do think you know the the positives for me from that game. Um, I think I mean it obviously was. The extent that the injury to John Terry and, and him not being able to play um, tomorrow will be a factor in the outcome of tomorrow's game. I mean, I would have liked to have seen Gus um, protect a few players, Terry being one of them, on Saturday and start with the kids. But, um, you know, he didn't do that. He was forced into a change um, and gave Babber a go. And shuffled the, the, you know, shuffled the defensive pack to accommodate Rahman into the team, and I thought he did okay. And I thought, um, you know, Loftus Cheek did well when he came on. Traore, obviously, um, and I think, you know, Fabregas in the middle of that lot against a very poor Newcastle side was never really not going to have a game where he, you know, he was pulling the strings uh, left, right, and centre. Mm. Um, but I, I think, you know, for me. It's all about tomorrow, really. Yeah. All right. That's part two, mate. But uh, I take your point. <laughs> it is. Yeah, definitely. No, we, I mean, I never talk about the games coming up normally, but I, I think as it's... I, I, mean, I do that, think... That said, it was fantastic to beat Newcastle 5-1, um, to see those youngsters get, uh, you know, some decent minutes under yeah. but it. But it wasn't good to see Terry go off um, in the way he did so early on. Uh, on the other hand, Marco, and this is something I wanted to really to speak to all of you about, uh, and I, I probably this is also probably in part two, and I've just forgotten, but I'm gonna I'm gonna you know carpe diem seize the moment. Um, it it was terrible seeing Terry go off. I absolutely agree with you, particularly you know now we've got um, um, Zoom out as well. We are actually talking defensive uh, crisis in part two, so I'll keep it done. But you know I thought that um, it was really interesting to see Raman not play too badly it was fantastic to see Aspie play in his proper position and that yeah. that fifth goal would never have happened he's a great had that player. not been the he's case a great player. yeah and back, i thought back, it was all, i thought it was also very interesting i i thought and i actually commented darren uh, you know came up and stood with me uh, and behind joe tweeds uh, on saturday which is equally fun was he, was he wasn't singing was he well he thankfully he was well he was Out actually but that was that wasn't the worst thing he was farting like a bastard marco and it was really just unbelievably not that, that is probably one of the worst that is one of the worst byproducts of a 530 kickoff isn't it well it's a very very bad byproduct of darren mantle and it always has been um but i did say to darren i said have you noticed how different and well actually Branner is playing now he's playing at centre back because that is actually his real position and I thought that I thought that was interesting and I also cheekily said I wonder if that has anything to do with the fact that he's got another year and uh, Cahill's got another year and JT hasn't been signed up yet controversy Dan would you like to speculate or comment on that well, 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 what you mean, you're talking about his, um, his versatility is what you're talking about, I presume. Um, I, I think they, Branner has always been liked within the club. He's got a, a real can-do attitude. He's, you know, he, 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 he will walk, he will run through walls for anyone who tells him to do it, which is not to say that that's not the case with, with JT. Um, but, you know, I suppose he's got the extra year because he's a lot, He's a bit younger and, and he is more versatile, isn't he? Um, yeah. I think all, we, all maybe we need, um, I know we're not talking about tomorrow night yet, but maybe all we need tomorrow night 
is to see if we can drag um, uh, um, uh, Jose Bosingwa somewhere out of the archives and stick him in the middle, and then we'll be all right. Yeah, brilliant. That's, <laughs> an, that's an interesting thought. I mean, it's I'm being a... easier. It's easier for for um, for Branner to play centre half because he's then not going to be beaten on the flanks, is he, by somebody very quick at him, unless it's uh, unless the ball's chipped over his head the centre half and he has a run at it because he's uh, he's not going to be doing as much running. Hmm. No, probably not. Um, anyway, Hazard. I just want to quickly talk about Hazard uh, because I think if there is a downside to that, I don't know what it is, and maybe I uh, maybe I've, I'm just seeing things, but I, I I don't think there's something not quite right with Hazard. He didn't seem to be prepared to take people on to me, and I just wondered is he trying to avoid injury? And then you hear what you hear today in the standard, yeah. You know about the fact that he said that. I mean, he it sounded like he backtracked actually after he said it, but he basically said it'd be hard to say no to PSG. Uh, it would hard to be say it would be hard to say no to a team that won the Champions League. That's what my aim is, and I I, I don't know. It just stinks to me, Marco. What do you think, mate? You've been around a long time. Um, what do you reckon? I think I think with Hazard, uh, he, his his head's clearly not been in the right place all season. Um, <clears throat> And I just think now potentially saw what happened to Zuma last week, which, you know, was an innocuous um, occurrence, but he's put the kid out for six months. So he's going to miss the Euros. Um, I think a lot, I think quite a few of these players are not really competing for anything. And Hazard probably thinks, well, Chelsea aren't going to get anywhere in the league. Um, Why should I risk injury? and not play in the Euros, for which I think Belgium are one of the favourites, um, for a team that I don't really believe in anymore. Mm. Um, and it stinks, though, doesn't it, mate? I mean, as a supporter, but, but, that, we hate I, that. I hate it, but why play him? You know, yeah. Well, I agree. Make the bastards sit on the bench. I mean, ha- having said all of that, though, chaps, I mean, you know, I, we can get as aerated as we like about this, but... You know, basically, you know, Hazard sent us a, a bloody telegram before he joined, saying that he was a mercenary son of a bitch, because he only joined us because we won the Champions League. So we should have known what he was all about the minute he signed. The fact that we've got this long out of him is amazing. Although, frankly, I don't think this season really counts. But, can I, I mean, um, Chich, Can I just act as counsel can I act as counsel for Hazard's defence a little bit? Um, first of all, those those comments he came out with, yeah, I mean, they, they look a little bit like red rag to a bull. You can call them a come and get me play if you like. But I don't think that's how they were probably intended. Hazard's a very sort of affable... Well, I don't know, he's a funny sort of guy. He's, 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 he's quite difficult. Um, he's very casual in interviews. And if you ask him, you know, do you, would you play for PSG? He's always going to say, to be honest, well, you know, they're hard to turn down. Um... And, you know, that's just who he is. I don't think he's suddenly saying, come and get me. Having said all that, I do think if Chelsea aren't in the Champions League next season, then Hazard won't be a Chelsea player. And it sounds because, to me, yeah, it sounds to me... If because I mean, he wants, as you know, he wants I, I, to play I, Champions League. Got a choice I, in the matter, though. What was that, Marco? Has he got a choice in the matter? Well, that's another interesting point, isn't it? I mean, you know... I, I think a lot, you know, I think one or two of those players... I always thought with Hazard, I mean, I know he got that knock and he was out for a couple of games after that. He got that knock at Palace. But I kind of got the impression with some of those guys that they were, you know, erring on the side of caution just to, you know, if if Chelsea managed to um, convince 
well, obviously, it's not going to be Guardiola, not that it would have been my choice anyway, but depending on who the next Chelsea, full-time Chelsea manager is, I think there are one or two of those players that are thinking, well, you know what, for this guy, I don't mind not playing in the Champions League for one season. Um, so I don't know whether that's, you know, part part affected Hazard and one or two of the others. Um but, you know, these guys are on a couple of hundred grand a week. It's absurd. Yeah. You know what? I'm loving this. So I'm actually going to pick this up in part two. And, you know, and if we don't get to the bottom of that list, then tough. Because it's, this is because the other thing is, Marco, I know you wrote an article about Hazard a few weeks ago, which I'm beginning to remember again. I think we should do this one to death, particularly as Tony's absolutely going loopy on Mixler and, and he, he's shitting his nappy all over the place. And I know he won't mind me saying that. Uh, we'll be back in part two in a second. The only place for Chelsea fans. Footballfancast.com. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Right, welcome back. I'm Stafford Chidge, and you are listening to the Chelsea Fancast. And uh, I'm with the wonderful Jonathan Kidd, mm. the lovely Mark Worrell, and the, uh, the informed and informative Dan Levine. Now, um, before, <coughs> excuse me, bless you, Mark. It must have been you. You've got the yes. one with the cold. Um, before we um, went to the break, we, 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 we started on a road, which I didn't expect us to go down at all, actually. But it, it's a good road, so I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to carry it on because I think it's also it's so much in the news today that basically Hazard's come out with something that has been interpreted as a bit of a I, I'm going to, I, don't, I don't want to go to Chelsea as Elvis Costello said once upon a time um, and Tony the big to- the real Tony G the Reverend Tony Glover who was in Mixler is going absolutely loopy in uh, in Mixler because a lot of people have kind of are sticking the boot into Eden. And I, and I like Eden, because I thought Dan's point was excellent, actually, is that, you know, he is a pretty shy guy, and it's quite easy to misconstrue what he says in pressers, I suspect. And I, I kind of feel that I might have been misconstrued, too. I'll just let, 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 you, let you all know what I think about this. I mean, you know, as I said, I think one has to understand the mentality of the modern-day footballer who, and, and Hazard made no bones about the fact that he chose Chelsea because they won the Champions League. That was why he chose them, because he expected to go and win more. He's getting paid 200 grand uh, you know, a week or whatever it is, a ridiculous amount of money. They, they are mercenaries. They do play for money. And you know, I think it's very easy for people of my generation to get a bit misty-eyed about players, but we should be under no illusion. That doesn't mean I hate him. That doesn't mean I, I'm going to spit my toys out of the pram because he's he's you know uttered some uh, you know ungrateful piece of crap about the fact he doesn't want to play here I kind of accept that he will go because he is a superb player I think really what, what I should have said and didn't say in part one was that you know frankly I would I, I, I think we look at players like Hazard and let's enjoy them for as long as we can have them because they're special talents and that actually kind of brings me into what Mark's article was recently where I think really Marco you said much the same didn't you? Yeah I mean I, I did but the thing is you know Eden Hazard last season, you know, he was the PFA Player of the Year, which which tells you all you need to know, really. Um, However, you know, this season, you know, one penalty given to him 
um, sort of out of pity at MK Dons. <laughs> it was a bit, it was a bit uh, like a sympathy shag, wasn't well, it? Well, you know, which he took I, badly. He he's not he's not the player that he was. So either he doesn't get picked because he's not good enough to be in the team, and and you know if Chelsea can get seventy million pounds for him, they do it, or a manager comes in. Um, and gets him back playing at his best. So, you know, Jose went. If Jose was the problem in in Hazard's head, um, he's still got a problem, hasn't he? Because he's he's not suddenly rediscovered his his form under hitting. You know, know what? Gonna, you, you, you know what? Goose said he was injured. Still, Goose said he's just recovering. He's not. Back, yeah, yeah. He said he's ninety percent. Goose. Yeah. Said. So he, he well, he's not. He's not. Shouldn't play him then, should he? Well, it, well, I think he's he. Yeah, I think they're easing him back in gently. I think that's the interesting thing. Um, um, the other thing I would say is that uh, Hazard himself, and I'm sure Dan will um, will uh, reiterate or verify this, but um, he came out in an interview he did recently saying that this is the first blip in form that he's had, and he's been playing at a very you know quite an intense level since he was 16. So you know it's it's it's, it's not inconceivable for anybody to have you know a, a spell of bad form, and, it's, and you know it just happens to have. I think conspired to be at the same time as we were having an absolute meltdown and the whole Jose thing was happening too. But what I'm really trying to say is I don't think it's necessarily down to what's happened this season. It's not necessarily down to, Jay, uh, to, to Jose. I think it could have happened at any, at any time with Hazard. It just happens to have been this year. Um, you know, I, I'm prepared. I'm actually prepared to give Hazard I mean, the, the thing, benefit the of the thing doubt. Is, though, I mean, what, all I'd say to that is, you know, last season they were talking about Hazard as being one of the top in the top five, if not the top three players in the world. Um, now, when do you ever hear about Lionel Messi having a blip in form? No. Or so, Ronaldo, for that matter. But, you know, those, those but, guys but, just... But. Dan, come in. But, but, but. Um, Lionel Messi doesn't have a dip in form because he plays in La Liga. And uh, a player like him is always going to look head and shoulders above uh, a load of very, very average teams that make up three quarters, well, actually about 90% of La Liga. This is the problem we're always going to have with Hazard, in that a player like Hazard is always going to look like a better player if he's given the space that, that teams like Barcelona and Real Madrid get in the Spanish league. And he just simply won't get that in the Premier no. League. He knows that. And here's something else, Dan. Actually, which, funny enough, I culled from that uh, the, the you know the, the the rag that you used to do a lot of work for, probably and still do, I think. Um, but they had an article up there that basically revealed that Chelsea are this season the most fouled team in the Premier League with 312 fouls, and and I'm amazed actually, and I think that's I think it's this is more of a, an indictment on on a British mentality than anything else. But nobody's really followed up on this theme that was talked about last year and the year before about the number of times that Hazard quite clearly gets targeted and that usually uh, goes in conjunction with and fair play to the little lad he never complains he just gets up well maybe he's just had enough of it of yes, being kicked yeah. every game and getting and no protection from the referees at all you can't you can't blame him for that. And Mourinho did say a few things about that last season. That the way that you know he he, he clearly does get fed up with it. I mean, it can't mm. be pleasant, can it? Um, and, and from both the physical point of view and also the fact that he he is an artist on the pitch, isn't he? And and to see in the same Wilson, way that I'm an artist off it, Dan. 
Well, quite, yes. Um, an, art, an artist in the pub. Piss artist. Yes. I mean, he must be frustrated to see some of his best work taken away by illegal moves that never, ever get um, yeah. sort of punished. So you know, another reason why he might fancy move to Spain. Well, as I said, I, I wouldn't blame him. And I, I, I cast my eyes down Mixler and I can't remember who said it. Uh, oh, no, actually, it's Gary. Gary Will, the lovely Gary Wilson. Some of these players haven't got any feeling for the club and just pick the money up, Costa all of a sudden world-class again, for example. I, I agree, and I don't like it, but I accept it, because I think that's the world that we live in. And I don't really blame them for it. I just think it is what it is. I think with a special talent like, like Hazard, I just want to appreciate him for as long as he's here. But I am right royally pissed off that, that he hasn't got any protection. And I, and I am sure that if and when he does go, a lot of it will be down to that. Saturday was a prime example. He got clattered, didn't he, by Jan Matt. And I heard the yelp. I heard that. Yeah. We exactly, Mark. Exactly what I was going to say. The referee say. wasn't very sympathetic. Thought he no. Was, thought he was play acting. Unbelievable. Foul. You could see by his gesture, he, sort of, he, did, a, he did a get up gesture. To yeah. Him. Well, the referee's an absolute clown, as they nearly all are in the game these days. But it was. I think, I think actually that one moment encapsulates the problem that, that, that Eden Hazard has playing in the Premier League. And as, as, as I think we've all kind of agreed with some sort of consensus if he was to bugger off in a way one could say well I don't really blame him um, anyway look just very quickly because that was still supposed to be part of part one but just to wrap this up very very quickly Jonathan do you think we've turned it round um, no I'm afraid I don't mm. um, uh, we, it, we're too we're too all over the place at the moment it's it's it, it, I mean Newcastle were, we I mean I, I admired this this attack-minded first 20 minutes really energetic I think if we'd if we'd played uh, the way we were playing under Jose, we'd have sat back and have probably allowed them to gain some kind of um, confidence, and it would have probably been one-one or something. So at least you've got to give that to to Goose, because um, uh, he'd obviously spotted that their their, their defence was dreadful. But I I fear that um, unless we carry on playing in this way, but he, uh, we we will just we, we we'll we'll have average results against uh, against teams that last year we'd have taken to the cleaners. Um, I, I I would I hope that we've we've turned a corner, but that um, my my interest would be whether tomorrow night we actually um, go up a level as we have done before in the, like, like we did against Porto as we did against Porto exactly exactly. But Porto did play more expansively and didn't park the bus, which is what PSG will do. They'll play expansively, so they won't park the bus. So I th I reckon we've got a chance. I think we might have a bizarre situation where we we carry on drawing for a lot of the season. But actually beat PSG and then get quite far in the Champions League. I think I think I'm going to I'm going to postpone that little chat until the end of this part. But yes. I, I I think I think that it, it it's it's almost impossible to have any idea what's going to happen. I mean, you know, if I was to have listened to this show uh, from last week before we did this one, um, I would have said we would have lost against Newcastle or at best drawn because we couldn't see where a decent win was coming from. And then suddenly we absolutely run riot and look like Chelsea from last season, Marco. And, I mean, you know, you just really don't know what Chelsea's going to turn up, do you? You don't. Uh, I mean, as far as, the, as far as the league's concerned now, um, I mean, what is it, 11, 12 games left? 12. 12. Uh, can we realistically get up to fourth place? I don't yeah. think so. Are we going to get relegated? I don't think so either. So, um, you know, if, is Gus going to use the time that he's got left? He's not going to be there after the summer. Um, you know, playing the kids, you know, why not? 
does it matter if anything turns around? I guess not. So I just think, you know, there's not much, you know, the kids have got the motivation to do well when they're given the opportunity. Um, you know, there's players... I don't think you'll play them, Marco. I don't think you'll play them. I think you'll keep playing the same team as much as you possibly can. Well, he will. Maybe he will, in which case, you know, what, what uh, is there a corner to turn around? Maybe, maybe the fact that we've already sort of gotten ourselves away from that drop zone... Um, Not far away from still. It's nine points, though. It's only nine yeah, points away. I, we're just going to keep drawing, drawing more games than we win, and perhaps um, you know we're not really going to come unstuck in any of those league games that re remain. Hopefully, we'll lose the last one at home to Leicester, which will stop Tottenham winning the league. That would be absolutely fantastic. Um, uh, listen, one one thing that I mean, I I kind of agree with 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 both of what you're saying, really. There, I mean, I I kind of hope that we we finish at least at least six, because then we'll keep uh, that record going of not finishing out the top six for about the last, I don't know how many years. I think, I think it would be horrible to, 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 you know, to, to languish kind of in mid table for, for many reasons, usually uh, to do with getting the piss taken out of you by friends of yours that don't support Chelsea. Um, going back to kind of, you know, what was happening in the game, you know, we didn't really get a chance to touch on this in part one, but, I'd like to expand on it a little bit now, and that—that's—I thought it was very interesting with Fabregas. Gary, uh, Gary Wilson just pricked up his ears on Mixler at, at the mention of the little Spaniard's name. Um, I actually thought he had a very good game, as I said in part one, and, and, it, and it just kind of wandered because a lot of people have been moaning like Billio about the fact that we're playing, uh, you know, two defensive midfielders, Matic and Mikel, usually at home. Why do we need to do that? It slows everything down. Yada yada yada. And I just think that we're in a bit of a quandary with with Fabregas and what's the best position to play him in. Because um, if you play him at number 10, then you end up getting, you know, two defensive midfielders who are very defensive-minded playing together. One of them, you know, who couldn't, you know, I mean, who, who, whose form is so abject this year, he shouldn't even be playing, in my opinion, and that's Matic. And on the other hand, if you play Fabregas where he played on Saturday in you know on the pivot as they say I thought he played really well he kind of for me he played like a quarterback um, and his lack of pace didn't seem to be a problem and of course we only needed one defensive midfielder because Newcastle was so crap but on the other hand if you play against a team who are going to really press you and close down the space then they slide through our midfield like a knife through butter so for me it's a massive quandary I accept that he has got some great abilities but where best to use them Dan? Yeah, it's a good question, isn't it? Um, I think that's one of the reasons we bought him, of course, because he's very versatile, because he can stick him in a number of different positions. Um, and I think, you know, unlike um, Wenger, who likes to set things up the same for every game, I think that, that Hiddink is very wily in doing things differently against different opposition. Um, yeah, he, he is a great player in there, and I, I know people um, have criticised him an awful lot for his effort sometimes, but when he's on his day as, as we saw on, on, on Sunday or Saturday or whatever it was um, he, he's, he looks fantastic um, I would not like to see him in holding midfield against PSG no. um, because I think that would be a disaster I wonder if maybe Oscar might be giving a run out there well that, Dan that's a really good point I mean Gary's making this point on, uh, on Mixler as we speak and I, I've been saying it for donkey's years for me when, I, when, when Oscar turned up I always saw him as, as potentially the replacement to 
you know, La- Lampard in his latter career. And I mean, of course, I know that Lampard played much of his Chelsea career in a 4-3-3, so it's rather different. But in the last year or two, when his legs were going a bit, he, he, he played a lot deeper. And I think that Oscar could be a great in that role because he can tackle, he's got energy, he's got the legs to get up and down, he can pick out a pass, he can get forward and score. You know, I, and, I, and I, don't, I don't see the sense of having, you know, two, two very defensive-minded midfielders in the defensive midfield positions. I really don't. I think one of them has to be able to go up and create something as well, and also get back and defend. And I think that that's I think I think Oscar has that ability. What, what do you reckon, Marco? Well, I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, as far as Fabregas is concerned, you know, last season when we won the league, um, I mean, I, I am one of Jose John Michelobi's biggest fans, but last season I'll, when, fight, I'll fight you for him. <laughs> last <laughs> season when when you know Matic was. The imperious midfield destroyer that, that he was, that he isn't this season. You know that that that, that um, partnership with Fabregas in, in midfield worked, worked perfectly well. Um, this season, you know, it, it's all it's been all over the place. Um, Mikel Matic, um, you know, Loftus Cheek in there, Fabregas in there. I mean, a lot of those players, uh, you know, I, I think. I think Fabregas offers more um, if he's played in a deeper midfield role with with a license to go forward in support of um, you know a creative three in front of him and a striker than, than he does when he's played as one of the creative three, be it in the number ten role or or or, or not. Um, I, I just think Chelsea function better as a team with him in it when he gets more, he gets more room in that situation, doesn't he? Well, he does. He just he, he can. He's got quite good vision, um, and provided you know. I mean, his form was abject earlier in the season, and playing him in the midfield engine room was creating all kinds of problems because there was no shield for the defence. But but also, Marco not helped, I think, by by Matic's absolute well, exactly, disappearance exactly. of form. So I'm saying yeah. last season when when all of that was functioning perfectly well. Yeah. Um, you know, we had Hazard uh, and William, you know, perfectly on song. Then, then it all worked very well. Um, and I, I do think that, you know, Fabregas is more suited to a slightly deeper role. Yeah. I think we've got better options. Um, well, like a quarterback, like I was saying, really. Because, I mean, I, I had a really good row with somebody in the pub afterwards. I mean, it was good natured. It was, you know, drunken chat but there was quite a lot of sense in it and, and that's kind of what we were saying is that you know and I kept on being Gary would have loved this actually Gary Wilson would have loved this because I was basically getting beaten around the head by that I can't remember who it was I was talking to but they were saying Chidge you've got to accept he is the best if not the only player in the team who can do a pass like that so you have to find a room to accommodate him and I thought actually that's a good point and I don't have a problem uh, accommodating one uh, luxury player, by which I mean one who can't defend, tackle, and can be a bit lazy and can't run. You know, I will accommodate that if if it's worth it and if it can be covered. And I think going back to what we we're saying, Mark, you know, you're right. I think when Matic was absolutely firing last year, 
we had somebody who could cover up uh, Fabregas' defensive deficiencies, and this year we haven't. But I want to kind of spread this argument over a, a bit wider, and because I think actually it's also quite indicative of another problem that we have at the moment. We've got a lot of players who I'm not really sure what their best positions are, and I think the number 10 role is, is indicative of that, because Fabregas, William, Oscar, or Hazard could all play it, Jonathan. Who is the best man for the job? That it's size true, isn't it? The size of, well, the trouble is, is Oscar isn't consistent enough and disappears in some games. Um, Fabregas um, occasionally looks as if he's, he's wearing an iron lung and, uh, and treading, and, and treading on, in water. Um, uh, um, I can't. I, I think, as you say, they were. They were. It, it's easier to play when you've got a, a fantastic player, like, uh, Matic of last season, who was brilliant. But uh, there isn't a, a comparable player at the moment. So um, uh, any any uh, any um, stress, any any pressing that goes on, they're they're, they're pushed out of the game. Um, they don't have enough space to be uh, um, to be fluent enough. So uh, I'm sure it's a problem that Goose is having as well. Uh, but, and once again, it'd be very interesting to see what happens tomorrow night when you're dealing with a with a much more, uh, um, much classier team than uh, the Newcastle were with PSG. Can I just ask a question? Was yeah, Os- was Oscar rested? No, he had a bit of an injury. He had a bit of a calf problem, I think. Oh, did he? Oh, right, right. Do we know whether he's going to be all right for he, he I, traveled, yeah, he's, traveled with the team? He's definitely travelled with the team. I tell you what is interesting, Jonathan, is the fact that with with Oscar not being fit to play that Goose chose William to play in the number 10 role before, well, he didn't choose Fabregas to play in the number 10 role, he chose William, but he also didn't put Hazard into that number 10 role, which is a, which is a, apparently a role that he covers, but never ever gets to play at Chelsea because we stick him out on the wing. Is that is that because also because he's he's not uh, revealing much form in training, one wonders? Well, one wonders. I don't know. Dan, have you got any juice on that? Well, I, I think... The, the whole thing about playing um, Hazard on, on, in the game against Newcastle was just basically to give him a game, to get him match fit. I think an awful lot of the decisions that are being made um, at the moment really centre around the two PSG games, around the Man City game. And, uh, you know, the league game's almost incidental to that. Um, and, you know, Hazard hasn't done much running of late, so they maybe gave him the opportunity to do that. Also, he hasn't really got the form at the moment to dictate the game that, that he might do from the number 10 position. Um just on who's best for number ten, I think one of you know, it, people are reluctant sometimes to to criticise Jose, and, and I I can see why. Um, but um, the cult criti- of Jose, Dan. Well, one criticism <laughs> I will definitely make of him is that he decided at a certain point that Oscar was going to be his number ten, yeah. and that meant that there was no room for matter in the squad. Now, I can understand why he didn't think there was room for matter, but but. I don't think you can decide one player is is going to be your number 10 because I think for every different game there's mm. different conditions and different amount of space for different sorts of players. So actually we're we're in a good position because we've got four players who can play in the number 10 role. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting way of looking at it actually and, and I have to say it sounds far more sensible than my view. But who's that. the best? Who's been the best that's performed at 10? You have to say Fabregas has been the best who's performed there. Arguably, yeah. I mean, Oscar's had his moments in games when I think he's played brilliantly there. William, whenever he's done it, has also played well there. I'd, I'd like to have seen Hazard given a go there more often than he has for us. But That would hey, have to be last season, wouldn't it? Because not would. this season. Listen, just, just to kind of wrap this part up, let's talk about uh, this week coming up. Because it, 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 I think, in essence, this is the most important week of the season coming up. Because we've got the Champions League against PSG tomorrow and we've got City in the Cup on Sunday. If we let, let's say 
horror upon horror, we get stuffed by PSG tomorrow, and therefore there's no way back. Uh, and then we get beaten by City on Sunday. Then it's a very good argument for saying that our season's over, isn't there, Marco? Well, absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, the, the 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 Champions League and the FA Cup, um, the importance of those competitions in the context of what's happened this season is 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 far more significant, I think, than um, 2012 when we won both competitions on the back of. Um, you know, managerial upheaval. I think. I think, you know, it's completely different. Um, the situation, um, just in terms of the players that Hiddink's got at his disposal, um, compared to Di Matteo. Um, that you know, the the leg, the 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 knock-on effect of um, failing in those two competitions this time around, and the fact that we wouldn't be in. The Champions League next season. Um, I, th- I think you know the legacy of failure c- could rumble on for a while longer than a lot of people would would hope for. Uh, Several seasons, possibly, Marco. Well, you know, I, I've had this conversation with a few people that you know there's no divine right to winning trophies, and I think the the world's moved on from 2003 when. Roman bought Chelsea and everybody cheered because it meant it broke the axis of dominance of Arsenal and Man The United. axis of evil, Marco. Yeah, indeed. And the <laughs> axis of evil now is is um, quite Leicester. horrible to comprehend, isn't it? Because, uh, don't, don't, don't. I, I, I only want to talk about it for a little bit, so let's not give it any more airtime than we need. Well, yeah, exactly. But, <laughs> you know, that is why I think that, you know, whatever else... Hiddink is being targeted on by Abramovich. Um, if he just played, you know, the youth team for the remainder of the Premier League games, or not, not, not being glib, but the focus that needs to go into uh, the games with PSG and the game with City, um, you know, if we roll over and flop out of those competitions, um, it'd be a disaster, to be honest with you. And, and the season would be over in February. Well, here's a question for all of you. Um... And, and I, I, I don't know the answer to this. I'm, I, I'm, one of you may do. I don't know. But if we do get knocked out of both the Champions League, uh, let, let's as I said, if we get horribly beat tomorrow and clearly there's no way back, uh, and if we lose to City, when was the last time that our season was ba- basically over in February, bearing in mind that we're not going to be competing for a place in Europe in the league this year? Can anybody remember? I can't, Dan. Um... Possibly 95, 96, when we finished 11th, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's what I mean, because, I mean, every other season, even if we weren't in the cha- if, if we weren't playing in Europe, we might still have been in the Cup. Definitely that season that Vinnie Jones was playing. Yeah, it's a you, long time, isn't it? I'll tell, tell you when my... Um, <laughs> I, I went to a game in, I think it was 1991, I'm not sure. Um, it was in the ZDS Cup third round I think against Luton and I don't think there were 5,000 people in the bridge that night we lost on penalties Um, so we were out of the ZDS Cup a week later we lost to Sheffield Wednesday in the semi-finals of the League Cup um, at home and away in both legs 
we got we got knocked out of the FA Cup by Oxford United, and I think we finished about seventeenth in the. Bloody hell! What what year was this, Marco? I don't know. I, I think ninety one maybe. Yeah. It was pretty grim around that time, wasn't it? I do remember the Porterfield years. Was it year? Yes. Yeah. It's when Joe, it's when it's Joe like, Allen was playing. It was a long time ago. It was, wasn't it? Joe Allen was centre centre forward at the time, I remember. I think Vinnie Jones was playing in that team as well. It yeah. wasn't one of the great experiences watching the blues at that time. God, no, they were they were they were pretty awful. I do remember that. You um, could shout you could shout and it would echo around the ground, you'd be heard everywhere. Yeah, it was, God, it was very yeah. Bloody hell. Great days, guys. Great days. <laughs> <laughs> um anyway, I think we could cheer ourselves up with the fact that if we're not in Europe next year and uh uh, you know, maybe uh, what Roman will do is he'll he'll do a Bates and we'll invent a trophy for us to go and win, like the the the, the ZDS or the Simord Cup or whatever. What, what do you what do you think, Dan? You can see can you see that happening? We can have the Sibneft trophy and they the can Sibnef make it Sibneft trophy. Sibneft trophy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or the, the Gazprom can, Cup. Play, yeah, that's something like that. We can play games only against Schalke and teams from Siberia. Yeah, I know. I'm uh, looking forward to to uh, Vladivostok away. Absolutely. I mean, you know, it, it, it could always be worse. I think we should take solace from that. Very, very quickly, because we're kind of slightly over time. Um, at, what, what do you boys think will happen in the Champions League tomorrow? Marco, do you want to crack at that first? Um, I don't know. I, I just think it could be... The, the, the one glimmer <laughs> of hope is that is that the bizarre situation where the, 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 the Ivory Coast left back I can't remember his name now. Who who went went on Periscope and called uh, Lauren Sergio? That's it. Yeah. Whether anything uh, there has happened to um, make the dressing room toxic, as has been reported in various places today, or, or not, I don't know. But I, I just think you know Zlatan will be looking at that central defence um, and thinking hmm Gary Cahill I know Feeding you time. <laughs> well, listen there is a positive in there because Verratti who absolutely tormented us last year kicked anything that moved and never got really punished for it but he's not playing I do believe Jonathan he's injured isn't he I think yeah, yeah. which has which got to be a good thing yeah, I, I, you, you can't tell. We, we might hold out and just. It depends what tactics he's going to use as well. Is he going to defeat? It might be also if they if they attack in the same way we attacked against Newcastle, we might just be backs against the wall for for ages. I, and I hope he parks the, the bus. The break, I know? hope he parks the bus and hits them on the counter. And I can actually well, see, I, I can actually say, see think, Pedro think, playing tomorrow. What what we have got is the dynamic duo of William and Costa. Yeah. Um, who are in a well? William's been in a rich vein of form all season, thank God. But at least Costa's remembered he's a professional footballer and not a boxer. Yeah. Um, and you know, if we can, if we can get an away goal, then you know, I'd, I'd take a two-one loss. Yeah. That's what uh, we had last year, wasn't it? It was one-one last year. Was it one-one last year? It must have been the year before. Then who knows? We play them every bloody year. It's hard to remember. Dan, final word on it. What do you, what do you reckon? What, what's your take on it? I think it'll be a long old 90 minutes. Um, I think um, we'll, we'll play something that looks a little bit... Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chidge, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Ah, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK, and best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you, thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy, I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Like a 4-4-1-1, but isn't actually a 4-4-1-1, because it'd be four men in the holding role. And I think we'll do exactly what you say. We'll we'll sit back and we'll wait to, to pounce on the counter. I, I mean, would definitely... That, that Goose, Goose is very good at finding good tactical formations for European teams. And I remember his... He's putting um, Michael Essien at full-back against Barcelona to, uh, to stop the, the rampaging of, um, what was his name, Ayala. So was it was the left-back at the time? Rampaging Ayala. Sounds like something out of an African safari. <laughs> it probably is. It probably is. <laughs> Listen, we've got to go to part three, because uh, we've been waffling on, as we always do. I, mean, I shall leave all of you people out there, particularly the ones in, in, uh, in Mixler, with this very consoling thought that... Uh, the, these two games coming up uh, tomorrow and in a couple of weeks' time could be our last Champions League games for a long while. So whatever you do, whoever you're with, please go and enjoy them because you might not see it for a while. And on that note, uh, we'll go to part three where we will be talking about uh, Chelsea love me, love me not. Are many supporters falling out of love with the modern game and dare I say it, Chelsea? And we'll also be asking what would be worse Arsenal or Spurs winning the league? We'll see you in a sec. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com Uh, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and you are listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. And we're in part three, Reasons to be Cheerful, part three. And I've got three people who are fantastic, and they've done a good job of cheering me up. Not that I really needed it tonight, but they are the lovely Jonathan Kidd. Hello. They are the fantastic Mark Worrell. Hello. Oh, we got there in the end. And we've got the wonderful uh, Dan Levine, who is... Uh, off to Paris very early in the morning, I suspect, aren't you, Dan? Bonsoir. 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 
so good to have my uh, my great chums in the uh, in the virtual world of Skype tonight. Uh, I miss I miss seeing them around the table. I particularly miss uh, uh, you know when Dan and uh, Marco were on because of course it would have enticed me over to the wonderful White Ferry House where Marco and I could have had some London lager. London lager. London lager. So, talking of lager, we've got a guest lager at, at um, uh, Cheam. At Cheam Sports Club. Uh, it's called something like International Rescue Lager or something. <laughs> you something sure it's not that old Thunderbird that's been reconstituted? Oh, no, no. uh, does, does it take off? Does it oh, take off whenever good. you're in trouble? Very good. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Um, okay, we should get on and talk about the football. I mean, you know, it was Valentine's Day on uh, on Sunday, and love is in the air, uh, so one would think. And a certain person who happens to be not too far away, because he's in Skype with us tonight, Dan wrote this in an article uh, about a week ago, where he said, a combination of factors, Terry's predicament, the poor season, ticketing concerns, not least the hurdles put in our way, of the club's followers away in Europe and the threat of a four-year exile to Wembley do seem to have left a great many questioning their love for both the club and the game. And I remember when I read that, and I, I put it in really because uh, there was an email that some lad had sent in which, which really related to that. But it, at the time, it set me thinking because I kind of thought, blimey, Dan's kind of hit upon something here. And I know that the season's been utterly shonky, but it's not as simple as that. There's a lot of stuff going on and a lot of the people I know, uh, there, there, there seems to be a very different feel of it, and and I ju- and, it, and it kind of set me wondering, you know, is it true? Are, are some of us beginning to fall out of love, certainly with football, modern football, and even in a little bit of a little bit of a way with Chelsea? And I, uh, I'm going to I'm going to ask I'm going to ask Dan actually because Dan wrote this, so clearly he had an idea in his head. So what, what did you really mean by that, Dan? I just found of late that I spoke spoken to a lot of people on Twitter. Uh, in pubs around Chelsea, you know, the, the, the under fire and diminishing number of pubs that there are, which is a number of part, another part of this, uh, on trains to and from Euro uh, to, to, to domestic aways, uh, and I found a lot of people have been saying these sorts of things. People have been saying, oh, "Well, you know, I don't know if I can be bothered going up to Wembley for four years." A lot of our fans, you know, uh, you know Marco, for example, a lot of our fans live down in that sort of. Um, corridor southwest of London, um, and Wembley will be an absolute royal pain in the back. Well, I'll be coming up from Winchester, so I get that. Exactly. Yeah, and and I think people are just seeing uh, a version of of Chelsea in the future that they just don't like the colour of a little bit. Um, and uh, you know, people, you, you get my drift, basically. Well, you know what, I I, I really do, and um, actually, I think I think two things actually uh what this season has done for me and i've said this on the show a lot recently is that it's kicked me out of my delusion you know i I, i've been reminded that this is 2016 not 1986 and that these players like we were saying earlier don't give a shit about the club they certainly don't give a shit about us they give a shit about the 200 grand a week they earn and the chance to win trophies or go to a bigger club. And, and and their abject failure to even give a shit for most of this season kind of really kicked me into a sense of reality. But actually, hitherto, I've kind of scrubbed over all of that. So basically what it's done is that that realisation has kind of reminded me of everything else that's shit. 
Chidge, will we mind if we uh, win both the Champions League and the FA Cup again? Probably not, Jonathan. I think that's a very interesting point. But when, when I say that it's kicked me out of that delusion, and what it has done is reminded me of the things that I conveniently forget, which are that the you know it's it's extremely expensive to go and watch football. That we've got a club run by people who really don't give a shit about us. And I and I was reminded by Tim the other day about Ron Gourlay's comment that we are the wrong sort of fans when it, yes. the infamous uh, CPO meeting. Yes, I remember that. It's I was the there. cynical yeah. commercial exploitation about it, the utter, utter commercial uh, and, and certainly footballing mismanagement at the club and the constant sacking of managers. And that's just within Chelsea. But beyond that, the way that the pubs are all going, they're all disappearing. Well, they um, would, especially if we go to Wembley, they'll they'll be forced out. Some well, of them only make their money as a, as a consequence exactly. of the uh, of the fans being there on a on a Saturday or Sunday or midweek. But when Chelsea are playing well, and I delude myself that all the players love me, um, I forget about the fact that modern football is a crock of shit because it's full of absolute burks on Twitter, uh, shirts over hoodies, half and half scarves, people throwing beer in concourses, fan TV channels. Or I can ignore all of that when it's all going really, really well and I'm deluding myself to think the players care. But once that's gone, I suddenly realise the horror of what we're actually in. And I, when, I, when Dan wrote that, I thought, blimey, yeah, he's got a point. I mean, Mark, you know, you, you, you particularly, I think, you know, have made a name for, you know, uh, kind of imbuing us all with the culture of what football used to be like uh, and what it is, and it, and it does get a bit misty-eyed. So I'd be really interested to hear what you think about this, because I've noticed even some in some of your writing recently for ESPN that you know it's 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 sounding a bit weary. Yeah, you know, I think it's easy to get. Um, you know, we've all, you know, we, it almost sounds like Harold Shand in. in, in <laughs> Friday. I've treated you like royalty. I put money in all your pockets. Yeah, I, I, my favourite quote from that is, "You, was it? You long lanky streak of piss." Yeah, exactly. It's one of the best insults I've ever heard in the cinema ever. I, I think the, you know the, the the issue is, and I, you know, I mean, I, and you know, we're, we're all quite long in the tooth compared to some of the, you know, the the, the youngsters who, who know nothing but um, success success yeah. at Chelsea and it's going to affect people in different ways and I, you know just going back to that point I made earlier about um, you know no longer you know if we if we lose our place at the top table um, which used to be Manchester City Arsenal Manchester United and Chelsea well certainly for the last you know four or five years um, if we lose our place at that table how easy is it going to get be to get back there, given um, you know what what Tottenham Hotspur are achieving? You know they're going to be on track with their new stadium before Chelsea are. Uh, you know is is Jurgen Klopp really going to revive Liverpool? Um, you know their supporters seem to think he's still the Messiah. I mean they look a long way off. Um, Despite having done worse than Rodgers, I think for the same number. Well, of exactly, games. but you know. That that's the ambition, and then you've got you know wild cards like Leicester, who who are, who are you know playing without fear and um, able to challenge and get results. So they play Leicester play a completely different type of football to the rest of the of, of the top four, the top six. They don't play tippy tappy. They play uh, men behind the ball and boot the ball down the pitch and run after it. So there's no midfield. And I wonder whether in fact that is the way that teams should start playing as to whether 
whether that would have a, an effect on, on uh, um, whether other teams will do this and we will then slowly be pushed out. If we're I mean, not playing, I, what I do if we're still playing midfield and playing, you know, trying to push the ball up and, and press. But I noticed that a couple of we seem to be relying slightly more on, as you said earlier, Pedro and uh, um, um, and Willian, not Pedro, sorry, Willian and, and Costa breaking. So we're talking about defending and breaking in a way that we haven't ever spoken about the team doing that. You can be sure if Leicester do win the league, that a few Premier League chairmen will be telling their managers, you're going to do what they're doing. Yes. And, and also only spending. Um, 24,000 million on, on the team as opposed to 250 million. Nah, they here, here's, here's, here's the thing, Marco. You know, um, I'm just wondering. There are two things that occurred to You know, I wrote all this stuff in the script and it sounded so miserable and negative. You know, and I, it's, I'm really. It's funny, interesting to, 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 to hear you say, um, you know, a lot of our generation might be feeling like that. And I'm just wondering as well. There are two things here. One, are we just getting a bit old for you know for that just not prepared to put up with things like we would have done when we were kids and secondly hasn't it always been like this i mean you know chelsea's always been a batshit insane club i mean you know you 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 were going i think i wasn't but you were going when they got rid of osgood and hudson and then nearly went bust because they built the East Stand. Jonathan certainly I, was. I certainly was, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it, this is nothing new. Chelsea... I, 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 yeah, I, I'm, I'm afraid through having lived through that, rather than making me stop going, I will carry on going, wherever they are. Mm. Because uh, I've seen it all before. You just think, all right, this is a down period. And I hope, you hope that with Abramovich's millions... Um, uh, and and the way the club is being structured, well, maybe being very badly structured, but with the the attempts to get be the best players in the, in Europe in, that this will only be temporary. Mm. You hope that, but well, you, know, you do whether... you do hope so. But I mean, there's there's no. I mean, you know, I but think Mark, Marco said it, said it earlier on. It no... doesn't matter to me if they if if we have few seasons in the doldrums because no, nor, nor no, me, Jonathan. I, I, I'm, I, not, I'm not. I, see, I, here, I Jonathan, 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 Jonathan. No, I'm not. Jonathan. I know. It's carrying on. Um. I'm not talking about what's on the pitch, actually. I mean, I, I, like you and Marco and Dan, actually, we've all watched the watched the team when they've been absolutely rubbish and never won anything. I'm not so bothered about that. It pisses me off. It's actually everything around that that's really gnawing away at me. And that's what I say as I wonder if it's just a little bit because we're getting a bit older. And, 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 I, and I think the thing that I really... I mean, you know, what I really have fallen out of love with is modern football, uh, not Chelsea. There are sometimes and occasions when I forget uh, about Chelsea being part of modern football because of the joy that I've had recently in watching us win loads of stuff. So it's only when we're not doing that do I remember that we are very much part of that. And then suddenly I remember all the things I hate about modern football, like Arsenal fans and half-and-half half scarves, etc., etc., etc. They've been forced to have those kind of fans because they've increased the attendances yeah. because, of this, because of the club. And I've told you I've, uh, because of the, um, the the stadium. I mean, I've told you that you know that my 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 Guna friends who've been supporting them for you know for forty years or more. They're they're completely disenchanted with these fans themselves. So yeah. they're experiencing the same thing that we've experienced from these kind of people watching yeah. the game. But Dan, we're, we're, Dan, we're, about, we're about to get another twenty thousand, of course, aren't we? So yeah, yeah. You know, the same could happen here. Um, I think I think I think there's a lot in what you say, Chish. That uh, I think. Football has been on this slide for a long, long time. You can go back 10 years, 20 years, maybe more than that. Um, and the, it's just that for the last 10 years or so, our minds have really been taken off it because we've been ridiculously successful. Yeah. Uh, and while we've been leaping around, doing the bouncy, drinking champagne from cups, um, we've not been too annoyed, uh, or, or at least we've, we've not had our focus on 
pubs being in danger, on 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 the game being sanitised, on on uh, on football just changing immeasurably from what we once knew it to be. And now we've slid down the table. Um, it, it it does all come into sharp focus. You know what? Touching you... on what just 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 moving on slightly, touching on what what um, Jonathan was saying. The worry is getting back to where we were before, and there's a very real danger we could be the English Valencia if we don't turn things around very quickly. Or, or, or yeah, even, just... or even the English Liverpool. Well, yeah, but Valencia, of course, had a new stadium that they couldn't that they started building. They couldn't afford to finish. The whole market yeah. changed. They lost a load of money. They were automatic Champions League qualifiers, yeah. and then it all went. And look at where they are they now. Where they are now, bottom half of mid table, twelve. Hey, how about that? We know that position in La Liga with a manager that's surely going to get sacked soon, and then. Yeah, we'll end up with Gary exactly, Neville yes. as a manager. So, I mean, but but again, like Jonathan, it's, for me, it's not it's not necessarily exactly what's on the pitch. It's it's really just the whole thing about it. And you know, it it I I, I have lost a lot of love for for modern football, Marco. I really have. Um, I'll tell you what, though, Mark, is that you know, it's really it was really funny writing this script, having had the day that I had at Chelsea <laughs> on Saturday, and and I said this earlier on. I'm not sure if we were on air at the time, but. You know, I had one of the most perfect days at Chelsea I've had in a long, long time. You know, we we were great on the pitch. We won five one. I loved all of that. There's nothing nothing like leaping around, watching your team play well and score goals. But I also got to sit with Dazza, which I don't every match, and that was that's all very much part of it. Beforehand, I mean, I met so many people that I love and know. I mean, I saw Waltz for the first time in ages in the cock. I mean, we were just laughing and laughing and laughing, getting ridiculously drunk. I met these two Irish lads who, you know, Mark and Waylon, who who I met completely randomly, who've been listening to the fan cast since year dot. So we were able to kind of introduce them to the whole culture. It was their first game at Chelsea. Can you believe it? So we introduced them to the whole culture of it. And then afterwards, I went to the Rose Pub. The two Irish lads turned up, loads of the usual lot. The old fan cast lot were there, friends old and new. Ended up sitting there getting drunk with the with with CFC away and and Tritz. So, for me, that is about as good as it gets at the football. And you know what? The bottom line is that most of that was to do with the pub before and the after. And that's what I mean when I say, you know, actually in reality for me, it's incidental what goes on on the pitch. So, you know, if we don't get back to the glory that we've had in the last ten years. As long as there's an excuse for me to go and get shit-faced and have a cracky time with my Chelsea mates, I'm really not going to be that bothered. I think, I, I think my biggest concern in all of this, just picking exactly up on that point, because I too, you know, I had a really enjoyable Saturday and it was it was great fun. Um, my concern is that, you know, that if when that stadium move happens... Uh, the temporary move, which is likely to be for at least two years, three years, you know, all of a sudden, um, you know, going to Stamford Bridge, which didn't matter if Chelsea were rubbish or not, because you still had a crack with your mates. Yeah. Um, you know, you're you're on you're on your territory. Yeah. Um, doesn't matter what what goes on elsewhere. I mean, obviously, it's nice if you win five one, but that that whole rolling culture and um, match day routine that people go through that they love is being snatched away um, uh, for the sake of progress. And, you know, if Chelsea go through a period of mediocrity, um, which is quite possible mm. and more than likely to coincide with this move away, temporary move away from the bridge, um 
I just think I fear for what could happen um, on a long-term basis. Uh, I think, you know, it's quite possible that people will just think, you know what, I can't be bothered with that. You know, I, you know, a lot of people, I know quite a few people have said, well, I'm going to start doing more away games. I don't really fancy going to Wembley every other week, all of that kind of thing. Um, you know, whereas going, going, going to the bridge and having a crack with your mates and not being too fussed about the fact that, you know, we're playing, I don't know, Sunderland and, you know, they're not going to bring many fans down and it'll be a rubbish game or whatever. Um, doesn't matter as much if it's at the bridge, but it, you know if it, if it's being played at Wembley, um, you're not going to. It's not going to take too many of those types of games and dragness and mediocrity to sort of shroud the the, the, the whole culture of the club in um, you know re, re, with a really negative veil, and uh, that's that is my biggest biggest concern. It's going almost to be a very, to, very delicate balance. All of this between maintaining almost to the point where, if if um, you know, if Roman suddenly had second thoughts and said, mm, <laughs> "I think I'm going to find an excuse not to do this," I, I, I wouldn't be too upset. Yeah, you know, it sounds like that nightmare on Stamford Bridge that I wrote in CFC UK this month. Exactly. Yes, it, was a, it may well have been Guinness and kebab fueled, but I, I fear that there may be some truth in that. Possibly, you never know. Um, I'm going to leave it at that because I mean we could do a whole program on this, and hey, we we may well do it sometime in the future. But I, it's it was really interesting to to see that you 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 all have similar sentiments. I think to me on this, which is interesting, and actually there's quite a lot of the similar similar sentiments going out on on Mixler right now as well. Um, we live in interesting times. Now, if you think you're depressed after hearing that, uh, just get a load of this. Um, Leicester, who I think, you know, in, in lieu of Chelsea not being able to win the, the Premier League this year, and albeit that we, we do have a bit of history with Leicester, so we're no lovers of Leicester, trust me. Um, but I think everybody here and listening in Mixler and listening to the podcast would rather Leicester won the, uh, the league this year uh, rather than these two abominations of a football club. And, of course, I am talking Arsenal, uh, who, of course, haven't won it for 10 years, and Spurs, who last won the league in 1961. I wasn't even born in 1961. That's how long ago it was. Um, and, of course, there's a lot of conjecture going around on Twitter last week, which upset a few of uh, the lads from my generation, because people were saying, what would be worse, or who would you you know, kind of prefer, if, if you had to choose, would it be Arsenal to win the league or Spurs? And I think a lot of people were, in my generation were quite upset because a lot of them said they'd much rather, uh, you know, Spurs won it than Arsenal, which kind of shows you shows you how much we've just learned to despise uh, the, the hybrid mob. But I'm going to, I mean, it's an interesting, and I just thought, well, it'll be interesting to talk to you lot about this one for the five minutes we've got left of this part. So I'm going to kick off with you, Jonathan. Who, who would who would you rather, I mean, you know, Arsenal or Spurs, what would be worst? Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Neither, both, of course, would be they're preferable. Both equally, equally uh, weird, both teams. Um, both sets of supporters are... Uh, uh, particularly on Twitter, can be vile, but as, as some can, can some Chelsea fans. Um, uh, I, I think were I to let, were I to be out of the two, I'd prefer if Spurs won 
just because um, just, I know, I know I'm saying this, but just because um, uh, Arsenal. Did I just hear that correctly? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, part of the reason is because oh. I know, but we've got two evils here, and I'm trying to give. I'm going Marco's to, just had a heart attack, Jonathan. Mark, I'm trying to give a decent answer. I'd like to say what you'd like me to say is I want neither of them to win, and I'll just shut up. <laughs> That'd be a very short part. I'm asking. Listen, I do realise that I'm, I'm asking. Be reasonable here. I'm asking I'm a horrible question. Just came argument into for the it. office and went and looked at me and went, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm asking well, you. you know, given, like... given that question, I always think that. That are, um, both teams believe they have a divine right to win, particularly Spurs since the 60s, because they thought that they played such wonderful football, winning the double, that from then on they should be, they, they merited for winning everything every single year. And the fact that they haven't has always amused me, the fact that they haven't won the, the title since 61. So you could argue that, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, that, uh, that um, they should never win it as a consequence of their, their terrible hubris. But then Arsenal, similarly, just seem to think they have a divine right because they had the Invincibles and because they won it a lot 20 years ago, whatever it was, 10 years ago. So, I don't know, you know, if one of the two teams has to win, let's, you know, give it to Spurs and then hope that then let them not win it for another 50 years. You know, I, well, I'm going to, I'm going to hold my fire. Marco, what, what, what do you reckon? Uh, it's like, I don't know, which is the lesser of two evils, isn't it? With, with those two, it's like the, you know, Arsenal, the, the Scousers of the South with the self-entitlement thing going on and, and Tottenham who, you know, the, the, they the, are the enemy, Mark. Well, they are the enemy. Um, although I was having a conversation with uh, Kelv on, on Twitter a while ago, which said, maybe, maybe I'm just getting old, but I, do, do I really find myself actually quite liking the Liverpool manager and maybe, you know, one or two Tottenham players are actually quite good and uh, Pochettino is actually doing quite a good job there. Um, you know, and it is, it is true. While I, I, I just, I really hope that Man United, beat, hope Man United beat Arsenal on Saturday. Um, I think Arsenal play Tottenham... Um, in a couple of weeks, so be a draw, like, draw with lots of injuries. Hopefully, we we we've still got to play Spurs, and we're yeah. yes, yes, yeah. So we win that, um, and and somehow it all it all fits together nicely. But that's less, avoiding less. that's avoiding the question, Marco, because Tidge asked, "Who would you prefer out of both of them?" Yeah, thank uh, you, Jonathan. Well, I could have answered like that, you know. Well, I didn't. I, I had a go, and you, and you went, "Oh." <laughs> Go on, Marco. Out with it. It's horrible. It's horrible. (laughs) It's like shoot, shag or marry, isn't it? But worse. An advantage advantage of Arsenal winning would be that that, that, that Wenger still carries on being their manager. Yeah. I'm going to... That's a really good point, actually, JK. Dan, Dan, you've no doubt been sitting here chuckling away, thinking I've forgotten about you. But it's now your turn. Thanks ever so much. Um, right. I was—I uh, bumped into a load of Leicester fans at St Pancras on a Sunday. They're on the way to oh, yeah. the Emirates, and they were great lads. And I had a chat with those, and they were saying, "Last day of the season, if we need the points." Um, they, they said to me, John Terry own goal, and they tapped their noses. And uh, and I'd be very, very happy to John for John to stick it in his own net if it meant that Leicester won the league ahead of Arsenal and Spurs. Well, um, yeah. But if it comes down to Arsenal and Tottenham, I grew up in North London. I went to school in North London. And when I was young, Tottenham were winning the FA Cup and all of my school was Tottenham. It was hor- it was horrible. I was the only Chelsea fan in the entire school and I would rather Arsenal win the league than Tottenham. Mm. 
Well, uh, fair enough. And I think actually that's what it all boils down to. And I, and I think just to kind of put a lid underneath all of this, you know, most people of our generation and a lot of my friends like you, Dan, who, who lived in London, grew up under the awful smell of Tottenham and, you know, winning not leagues, but cups. But in those days, we, we didn't even think about competing in the league. We, we was always hopefully that we'd get another slice of FA Cup glory. And I think if you were brought up in London, um, you certainly, you know, the rivalry with Spurs was was, was very clear cut. Um, I, I didn't grow up in London, so I, I didn't really experience any of that at all. But, you know, historically and culturally, you know, if you support anything, you have to learn what your enemy is. And there is no doubt that our enemy is Spurs. The only thing I would say... Leeds! No, well, yeah, they're and Leeds, and Leeds. But uh, I think, actually, somebody said this brilliantly on Twitter not so long ago, so you can tell the age of a Chelsea supporter uh, by who they hate most. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyway... We hate Nottingham! Forest, we hate Arsenal too. Anyway, the bottom line is this. Spurs, the historical enemy, without a doubt... Um, and never ever let that be forgotten and there are all sorts of other reasons for that their, their fans are particularly snidey and this goes very much back to the the, the naughty days um, but what I would also say is that because of their 1967 utter... FA Cup final well it well. goes back to there doesn't it but I mean you know I think the running battles you know that we had with them in the 80s and stuff they were a very snide bunch and we all know that but here's the thing because of their absolute lack of success of anything in, in, in recent memory and I mean, bearing in mind that we've had the eye, the eye over them for 20, 30 years now, really, when all said and done, I find that their fans have got, I wouldn't say less offensive, but they're just, I don't see them. I don't have any contact with them at all. They don't, I don't, I don't see, I don't get abused by Spurs fans at all. So if you'd looked at it on that level, um, Arsenal, I absolutely hate with a passion everything about them, everything about that club, everything about their fans, the most odious. I mean, Marco said it, I've said it many a times, they are the Scousers of London and very objectable and a lot to hate. But even with all of that, it's just occurred to me that if Spurs won the league, um, just imagine after, you know, what, over 50 years? Just imagine them, how unbearable that would be. They'd come at us like you wouldn't believe it. Uh, and, you know, I, I, we, we know how unbearable Arsenal are. We've got used to that. And they have won things. And they won it, you know, 10 years isn't that long ago. I can deal with that. But if Spurs won it, I don't know what. I mean, as I think Cal, Cal said it on Twitter. If Spurs won it, he'd fill his, stones, he'd fill his pockets up with stones and jump off the bridge into the Thames. <laughs> and I think I would follow him. So there we go. Anybody like to add to that before we go to the break? The only thing I can say to that is if they do win it, are they going to rename Bill, Bill Nicholson Way Pochettino Close? Mopo Close. Mopo. Mopo Close for sure. Yeah. Who knows? But let's not even think about it. Whatever we do, whatever we do. I mean, I and I, I never liked seeing Chelsea lose, but if it meant that Chelsea had to lose to Leicester on the last day of the season to stop either of those two winning it it has to be done it has to be done anyway enough of that um after the break uh, we're going to have the usual round of chelsea supporters news and jonathan's got a couple of cracking emails for you so we'll see you in a sec real fans real opinions i'm jason cundy and you're listening to the chelsea football fancast up the chelsea FootballFancast.com 
Welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and you are listening to the final part of uh, the Chelsea fancast tonight, which is, uh, it's been quite an interesting one. You've gone all over the place, but had a very interesting chat about lots of interesting things. And we've got the lovely Jonathan Kidd in the house. Hello. We've got the wonderful Mark Worrell. Hello. Hello. He's, he's, on a, he's using a delay unit, as you can tell. And we've got the fantastic Dan Levine. Aloha. Who's on his way to Gay Paris tomorrow. Right, uh, now, without further ado, there's a couple of cracking emails uh, to read out that we've had from uh, the lovely Mac, uh, Mac Bergson, I think it is, or Bergson, because I can never pronounce anybody's name. Mac Bergson from the, from the States, he was my Serial NG from, uh, from Toronto, and I can tell you that they're both avid listeners to the show, and they're usually in Mixler. I think Zuriel is in uh, Mixler. I think Mac's working, but that will be revealed in this email, won't it, Jonathan? Yes. Far away. Chidge. That's what he says in the yes. rest. I'm not saying to you, oh, hello, right. Chidge. Okay. He says, Chidge. Chidge, while others are basking in the glow of Saturday's romp over a relegation I like a good club... romp on a Saturday. Sorry? <clears throat> Nothing. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> I'll start again, if I may. Please do. <laughs> Comments allowed, by the way. Can you do them in the gaps, though? Yeah, I'll try. Thank you. While others are basking in the glow of Saturday's romp over a rele- uh, you see what you've done, you've ruined uh, you're ruined my larynx now. Take five. Chidge. While uh, don't say yes. Chidge. While others are basking in the glow of Saturday's romp over a relegation candidate club, I must admit I mostly feel anger. Think back to September the twenty sixth when CFC took on Newcastle for the first time. The team was off three straight wins: Maccabi Tel Aviv, lowly Arsenal, and Walsall and was playing a team that was without a win in the Premier League and had just lost to Sheffield Wednesday at home. Jose had never won at Newcastle, so you know he was up for it. But what did our boys do? They laid an egg. It was one of the worst halves of football I've ever seen. Jose said if he could sub all players, he would have, and I agreed with his assessment. In my mind, this was the beginning of the end for this crop of players. I will always support this club, but on that day, a large group of players took a step down in my eye. Willian, Begovic and Ramirez were the only players that did not bring shame to the badge that day. This game could have been a turning point for the season, but the players were selfish and did not think they needed an A-level effort. Unfortunately, things only got worse after that. The reigning champions were only able to beat Aston Villa and Norwich, both at home, and our greatest manager found himself out of a job. While there are players that I would always love, no matter what, JT, William, Aspie, some of the participants of that game did irreparable damage in my mind, mainly my former favourite player Matic and Sesk, or Chesk, as he's been called recently. I do not blame the players for all of Chelsea's woes. The board deserve some blame for not strengthening when you consider that our reserve keeper was probably their best signing and Jose deserves some blame for his handling of some incidents pre-season readiness and Eva Gate. And now he ensured CFC never got the benefit of the doubt with the refs and how he ensured CFC never got the benefit of the doubt with the refs but to me the players still deserve the lion's share the saddest part is when I think of what, of what might have been. Had there even been a competent title defence, we could be on our way to building one of the top dynasties in world football. Now, with the strong possibility of no Champions League football, we will have to overpay for players and a manager just to get back to the top four. I shudder to think how far CFC can fall due to this season. 
while we will be there the entire way, I can't help but think what if and not take the joy that I should be, it should be a 5-1 shellacking of those Muppets from Tyneside. <laughs> Sorry, it should be and not take the joy that I should have of a 5-1 shellacking of those Muppets from Tyneside. Tell me it's going to be okay, Dr Chidge. Keep the blue flag flying high, Mac Bergson, at Proper Chelsea USA. Well, there we go. I, I, I do, to be honest, Mac, I don't know if it's going to be all right, and I, and I think you know that goes back to what we were saying in in the last part, wasn't it, Marco? You know, yeah. it, it could all go very pear shaped and very Pete Tong. But I th- I'll tell you what is interesting, mate, and, and you know what, what I glean from from that email is that you know Max. Uh, like a lot of us, I think, you know, it's been very damaging this season in terms of our love affair with, with the Chelsea players, I'd say. You know, and I know a lot of people who won't look at them in the same way again. Is it, what do you think, Mark? I, I don't know. It's, it's just really, it's difficult to, I mean, all, all things go in cycles, um, I think. Football goes in cycles. Um some some cycles are longer than others. Spurs, for example, since they lost <laughs> the league. That's my favourite cycle. Um, but but you know, I mean, just going back to that whole thing about the there is no divine right to winning trophies. Yeah. You know, I, like one of my Guna mates, Six Case, he, he he said to me, "Ah, all those years when you were singing four years and you've won fuck all, five years and you've won fuck all, etc. 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 We could be doing that to you soon." You know, you won't love your players and, you know, Chavsky, all of that. Yeah. It's like, oh. Um, but but in a way, he's right, you know. Yeah. And, um, I, I don't know. <laughs> well, we don't, I don't think we, we don't have a divine right to win trophies every year. And I absolutely get that. But I do think we have a divine right to expect the people who wear the shirt to give 100%. And I think that's why I've got the hump this season. Because it's, I guess it goes back again to what I was saying in part three, you know. I've distinctly felt that that's not the case, and it's reminded me that it probably will never be the case again. And I think that's what well, pissed me I, off know, most. I think fundamentally, the fundamental problem with that is goes back to you know this hackneyed story about John Terry being the last player to come through the youth ranks. Um, if we can just get one or two young players in the way Pochettino's doing it at Spurs get some of those younger players into that first team. Um, you know, they don't, they don't necessarily have to come from SW6, but the fact that they've progressed and come through and they it means something yeah. them to have served their apprenticeship at Chelsea and break into that team to compete at the highest level. Um, you know, when, you know, people would sign for Chelsea, all, all this stuff that's been going on about John Terry, about his contract renewals, and one by one, all those players, and I think Aspilicueta read an interesting thing about him. He doesn't normally, you know, say much. You know, saying, you know, it, it meant a lot. It means a lot to have John Terry around. You know, he's obviously the guy that's saying, you know, you're playing for Chelsea now. Come on. You know, we've had all these different managers, but I'm John Terry, and I'm telling you how important it is to play yeah. for Chelsea Football Club. You know, when JT goes, you know, contract or no contract, whether he's, you know, just to have him there, Mm. you know beating that mantra um, 
that, that that's that's my worry. You know. I tell you what, you know, talking of the JT thing, I don't know if anybody caught it yesterday, but if you haven't, go and Google it and check it out. But Martin Samuel, uh, the best uh, football journalist on the planet by a country mile, apart from of course Dan Levine. Um, Moi. Uh, he actually uh, he, he he wrote a brilliant piece on on the on the stupidity of letting JT go. I'll say no more about it because just go and read it. Uh, just Google Martin Samuel Daily Mail and you'll and JT and you'll find it. it's well worth read. As always, he gets it absolutely spot on. Dan, have you got any comments? You know, coming out of that email. Um, I thought it was very well written the email, yeah. very, um, and I think it chimed in a lot of ways with a lot of what we said already this evening. Just, just the general malaise with the state of the club, the state of football in general. But yeah, do you know can... what it reminds me of? And I think this is very in keeping with Valentine's Day being the day of love and relationships. But I, I get the feeling that there's been a. It's a bit like you know Chelsea, uh, as a football club, has just fucked off and had an affair with somebody. And has now got back with us all, and but we're but we're feeling like, well, I, actually, you know what? I'm still really hurt and pissed off of what you've done to us, and I don't really trust you. <laughs> There's definitely that kind of, and I, I I find it amazing. I said this last week on the show that we're getting emails like this every week, and and nearly all of them are from from Chelsea supporters from from abroad, but they are thinking very much the same as we are that go lucky enough to go every week. So, you know, we've. The club of hers this year as a supporter base. I really think they have. What do you think, Jonathan? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I mean, yeah. I'm, 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 um, the, the, the thing that Mac mentioned about the dynasty seems to be the, 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 uh, the, the most, um, wasteful thing that we've, we've, we've done, which is yeah. to, to try and remain in the top, top 10 clubs in, in the world. Um, you needed to have Jose overseeing, which was the idea uh, of constant, success and uh, we seem to have blown that completely mm. for, for, for as we know variety of things that we've discussed on the program um but i mean at least that one of the the benefits of this could be that if they do sell a lot of the players in the summer um is that he does give a go to uh, to all the to the youngsters to some of the youngsters yeah. who are good enough i mean I'm, you know me i'm not convinced about loftus cheek i have to think i think treore is a is a, a is a a very good proposition indeed. There's, um, a, there's such a will, isn't there, from all of us to, to see a lot of these kids get a chance. Well, it makes sense also if they've won yeah. the they won the European. No, obviously the under obviously under twenty one last year, and they're what they in the yeah. semi finals of the under 19s If they've got all these good players, some of them must come through eventually. It's a question of what time you seem to put them into the put them in yeah. the league and uh, put them in the team. Similarly, the some of the loanees must come must come good. And be able to come back and go into the first team. It must happen eventually. If it happens to be next year and we start again and we end up, you know, tenth again, well, I'd be happy with that. To be yeah. honest, if that's going to be the case, and it may be what exactly what Roman wants. We but need to got... we need to rediscover what falling in love uh, again is all about. Jonathan, time for email number two. I feel. I feel that too, actually. Don't interrupt, Chidge. Greetings, Chidge. I'm not saying hello to you, Chidge. It's the it's the email. All right. Greetings, Chidge, Jonathan, Danell and the gang. Been loving the show every time it's on Mixler for some years now. Unfortunately, due to my schedule in, in university, I sometimes don't have the chance to listen and interact live with the Chelsea Fancast family on Mixler. Just my thought on the season so far, after the amazing run of being top of the league throughout and winning it last season. It's been a nightmare of a season and every Chelsea fan wishes it will be over ever since from day one. 
from the heartbreak of Big Peter leaving for Arsenal to the way the club is being run by the board with poor summer signings. Also, need I say the crazy fiasco of how our greatest ever manager in Jose departing and recently John Terry's contract not being renewed. I can only hope as fans that we do all we can to persuade the board for a contract extension. Come on, Roman. <laughs> However, one silver lining is to see the youth playing more often. With the fantastic win against Newcastle, it's wonderful to see players like Loftus-Cheek and Bertrand Traore on the score sheet. And with William and Costa hungry for goals and Pedro on the verge of getting his hat-trick and easily man of the match, one can only imagine if most of them played like this under Jose, how different our season would be. On a positive note, it's one of my dreams to visit London and Stamford Bridge and after much planning, it looks like it will be Terry's last match of the season. I just had to come and see our captain leader legend play live for that reason. I'm planning to visit London for the first time around the end of April to sometime in May to catch a few home games at the bridge, possibly both the Spurs and Leicester games at the bridge. I've no idea what to expect, but I want to experience how local Chelsea fans enjoy themselves on match day. Go around with you, Chidge. I was going to say, mate, if he'd have been with me on Saturday, I think he might have been scared off. Would it be best? (laughs) Would it be best to sit in the East Stand or West? Got to get a ticket first. And finally, I would most definitely love to drop by and meet up with Chidge and the gang as well. From your friendly Canadian across the pond, Zuriel Ng. How do you pronounce his name? I don't know, Zuriel. How do we? I've known. I mean, I've not met Zuriel, as you can obviously figure out. Uh, but I've known Zuriel pretty much since we started doing this show. I mean, I, I have a suspicion that Zuriel's been listening to this show pretty much since we started. And I still don't. I, I've, I've always searched, I've kind of skirted round the fact that his surname is spelled NG. Is it NG? Is it NG? Well, it... I don't know, but it, I, I find that I, that is unpronounceable even for me. So, Zuriel, help me out here, buddy, because we don't Zuriel. know. Pronounced correctly, Zuriel NG. Seriously? Nice, I like it. I was it. always bemused by the fact that Ekiog... I think he's a rap star. Ekiog, who played for Villa, was 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 always Ekiog. And his name <laughs> he was said no, E-H-I-O. we got it wrong. <laughs> he said Sorry, no, is he? He and said it, no. It was spelled E-H-I-O-U-I-O-G-U. And a Nigerian friend of mine said, it's Yago. He oh. said, I don't understand why everybody's called him Ekiog. Was he Shakespearean? <laughs> and it, well, wait, but that's, that's where he got it from. It's where Shakespeare got it from. Okay. Uh, apparently you pronounced it. Uh, Zuriel's now told me in no uncertain terms on Mixler that Jonathan did it before. So however you pronounced it, it was right. Ung. Ung. Okay. I'm liking that. Um, okay. Where does one start with this email? I think, uh, number one, I think it's fantastic that you're coming over, Zuriel. You must let us know when, which well, you, you kind of already have, but remind me because ha- I'm a man of a small brain and I'm prone prone to forgetting. But absolutely, come out like well, like 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 Waylon and um, and Mark did uh, on Saturday, and I mean they, they, they Tony will verify because he he was uh, with us in the cock. We had an absolutely hilarious time, as did they. I mean, all I can say about that Saturday was that Mark actually he went home before I did. I think he was so drunk he had to go back to the hotel. Uh, but Waylon manfully stuck it out to the end, and I think he was still in the pub when I left, which was quarter to twelve. So you will have a great time. So come and find us. Come and let me know. And I'm sure you'll. It sounds like you've already got tickets sorted out. So uh, hopefully, as Jonathan said, you'll get a ticket. Um, now, uh, East Stand. If you're in the East Stand, then you'll probably be sitting with the likes of Jonathan, uh, where you get butler service. Am I right, Jonathan? Yeah, yeah. So there's a butler for each of us. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's... I don't. I don't watch the game. He, he tells me. Yeah, the East Stand. Yeah, well, Dan Dan also sits in the East Stand, but of course Dan sits in the press box, which is behind the dugout. So he gets a press butler. 
He does. He gets a press butler. Yeah. Um, so they're both very posh. Bizarrely, 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 bizarrely. Where I sit, um, where's my season ticket? <laughs> Hold on. Okay, on. Quite an interesting fact, this. Um, so my seat, which is uh, obviously gate 17, seat number 251, if, if I... Uh, if I move, and there's no fence or anything, if I move to my left, I'm in the east. Yeah. You're right on the edge, aren't you, Mark? Yeah, so um, Uncle Tom Blessing, who sits just over that divide, pays an extra £85 for the privilege. Does he really? And, and because because he was two foot nearer to those first three goals in that first half, um, he reckons that that was worth the extra 80 quid. <laughs> nice one. Well, the good news is, judging from what he's just said on Mixler, Zuriel should be able to get a ticket, which is good news. They're not on sale yet, so that's certain, that makes me think he's probably a True Blue member out in Toronto, which means he should be able to get a ticket. Because I tell you now, Zuriel, if you're here for Spurs and Leicester, getting tickets for Spurs and Leicester will be like trying to get hold of rocking horse shit. It will unless, really be unless difficult. Unless he goes into um, hospitality. Yeah, well, you know, give me a, give me a shout if you need a bit of help. That's all I'm saying. Um, talking of Leicester, I've decided already that the name of the show after that will be Terry's All Gold. <laughs> so there we go. Uh, we've got that already. So I think, that, Dan, I mean, another brilliant email, really. Yeah, fantastic. And, and always love the ones that come from overseas fans who want to come over, get what it's about going to the pub yeah. before the game and after the game and just get into the culture of it because at the end of the day that's what football's about as as this as this show is always saying absolutely right absolutely right and as i said mark and Whalen absolutely embodied that and i tell you what was really really nice as well. i mean it was really quite funny because you know mark that mark and Whalen had been to the megastore and, and delightedly informed me that they'd spent 170 quid in there and of course i'm with people like you know athens john as waltz call them and a few old lags and we were like, oh, no, no, never spend a mo any money on the club than you absolutely have to. And they were like, but why, but why? We were like taking the piss out of them a bit, but, but all very lightheartedly. Um, but they ha and it was their first game. But the nice thing was that there was nobody, not one person in the pub was like, oh, it's your bloody first game, oh, bloody plastic. You know, everybody was just really warm and welcoming and just made sure that they had an absolute cracking day, which is really what it's all about. Oops, sorry. What are you doing, Jonathan? I know I'm. I know I'm lovely to hear, but to hear me twice in such a short space of time. It just came on suddenly. You've That's got what that they all power. say. That's what they all say. Right, we better wrap this damn thing up. So, uh, Jonathan, as always, thank you so much for reading them so beautifully, and uh, thank you, people out there, for sending your emails. Please send us more. We lovely, lovely. There we go. Tony's just verified this. We gave them a lovely welcome. My two seatmates really hit it off with them. Yeah, they were lovely lads, and they had a great time. And I was very proud of us all for being so lovely and welcoming. Okay, yeah, thanks for the emails, people. Keep sending them in. I love them, and uh, Jonathan loves reading them, and we, we love what comes out of them, and we have a bit of a kind of freewheeling chat about it that's unscripted, which is always nice. Right, few plugs, as always. Uh, you can get CFC UK at home games from the CFC UK stall opposite Fulham Broadway Tube and also away games. Isn't that right, Marco? It certainly is, and it's only a pound. It's only a pound. Who will they find there if they turn up to the stall on a Saturday on a match day? They may find me. They will almost certainly find at some point Mr. Only a Pound himself. They will. They will. So, you know, two legends of the Chelsea fraternity. And uh, if it's if it's freezing... And, and also Jason Marco, London's... Ah. 
flat taxi driver who should sell the fanzine but prefers just to stand at the store. He does. Uh, our favourite cabbie and fellow Uber hater. Yeah. So there we go. So, um, yeah, we've got Marco in the house, who is more instrumental uh, with CFC UK than I am, although we both write on it and love doing so. And uh, there is one out at the moment. There'll be a new one out. When's the deadline, Marco? Do you know? Uh, I think it's the twenty. actually. I think it's the 22nd. Is it? All right. I've got a week or two. Yeah, I've got one in the pipeline. That's all I'm saying. Um, so there we go. So if you can't get it uh, from Marco at the stall or from the various sellers uh, around Stamford Bridge, then you can always get it digitally by subscribing online at cfcuk.net. And if you're in the USA, uh, you can follow the Twitter account, which is at cfcukusa. And if anybody's interested in getting a, a hard copy, they can contact Dan Lundberg on Twitter at dlundberg underscore uh, right supporters trust join the trust get your voice heard by the club um, we are living in very interesting times at Chelsea at the moment and there's a lot of stuff about to go on and I sense a bit of disconnect and palpable discord between the supporters and the club this is precisely the time why you need to be a member of the supporters trust so you can get your voice heard by them it's only five quid to become a voting member it's free for non-voting members uh, so sign up at ChelseaSupportersTrust.com, attend the meetings, come to the events, vote on the issues that directly affect you, and make sure you get that voice heard. Now, follow them at Chelsea S Trust. Right, uh, I will be back next Monday, February the 22nd, to look back at the first leg of the Champions League tie with PSG and the FA Cup tie against Man City. And uh, I will be joined by Jonathan Kidd. Hooray! You're back, mate. Doing a double shift. Excellent. Um, I'll also be joined by the lovely Clayton Beerman and the even lovelier Ross Mooring. So it'll be a nice old show next week. I am already looking forward to it, if not the thought that we might have uh, our season abruptly ended by then. But well, hey, I'm, I'm an eternal optimist. You want Marco? Perish the thought. Perish that thought. Ban that thought. Quite right. We're all cheers, optimists. Cheers. Just before we finish, can I have a couple of words on, on a few things uh, about uh, Saturday um, that uh, I think a lot of people who went to the game wouldn't have known about, and certainly a lot of our overseas supporters and listeners won't know about. We had, um, when uh, Neil Barnett came on the pitch before the game, we had mm. a number of sad announcements, um, and the Chelsea family uh, has lost a number of people of late, and, and there were four people who were named, and... Uh, First of all, there was Sheila Sim, the uh, the, the late Lady Attenborough, who, who died recently, aged 91, uh, and, and a supporter of the club for with her husband for, for almost 60 years, maybe 70 years. Uh, there was Graham Moore, a Chelsea midfielder who, who played for Chelsea in the uh, promotion season in 61-62. I saw him on several occasions. And I think may have been our record signing at the time as well, at 35,000. Two and six. Uh, yes, quite. Uh, there, was, <laughs> there was the father of Gary Staker, the well-known and Right, um, uh, play liaison officer at the club, but most tragically of all, and the reason mm. why Chelsea were wearing black armbands on the day was uh, the uh, club employee Louise West, who was um, merely 26 years old when she yeah. died. Um, and you know, I think it's always worth mentioning these things because um, you know, it, obviously, there's a, we are a big family, and it was a very sad moment. And uh, and I think credit also to the Newcastle fans who got behind the appreciation before the game. Yeah, well, I mean, well done, Dan. Thank you for that, because you're right. I, I, I wouldn't have forgotten, but... I, well, I would have forgotten, so I'm glad you reminded me. But uh, more importantly, heartfelt condolences to all of those uh, involved. And as Dan so rightly said, all of them very much part of the Chelsea family. And, and, and I, oh, yeah, I mean, I thought the Geordies were, were, were well-behaved, really, weren't they? They were, they were on good form. 
Yes, other they... than their, their frequent mentioning of some paedophile song, which I didn't quite understand. Really? Well, I, yeah. I can't. I can't. I mean, look. To be really honest, mate, whenever they sing anything, I always retort with "Speak fucking English" because I can yeah. never understand what they say. <laughs> but so I, I, I mean, for legal get... reasons, we're not allowed to talk about that one at the moment. Uh, very probably. Okay, should we Contented move on? Court. <laughs> Sorry, just, to say, but, just to qualify what I said, Gra- Graham Moore was a was a was a fine player, and uh, and one of my favourites of the uh, of the Doherty era, actually, just before. He's one of Doherty's diamonds, no less. He was, indeed. Right, we've got to go, chaps, because we're out of time. But uh, Jonathan's been lovely having you back on the show. Lovely um, being on, thank you, as always. Lovely well, to be with such a marvellous company as, uh, as as Marco and Dan, who are, who are top top men. Indeed. Stellar company this week, eh, JK? Yes, indeed. It is indeed. Well, I'll see you next week, so uh, have a cracking week, and I'll speak to you then. Marco, brilliant to have you on the show, as always, my Just friend. Have a safe trip tomorrow, Dan. Keep out Cheers. of trouble. Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, getting involved in tear gassings, Dan. And I, I actually, I, what I'm really hoping from you, Dan, because we didn't really talk about this in the in the uh, the meat and two veg of the show. But uh, other than uh, the the dangers of facing PSG on the pitch, um, I'm also quite concerned with my, what might happen off it, because what was uh, basically uh, subsumed by the horrible events that happened on the Metro were the way that the Chelsea supporters were treated by the CRS outside the ground. Is that right, Dan? Yes, it was shocking, and, and there was a UEFA investigation to it, and they basically came to the conclusion that it was all Chelsea's fault that uh, women and children and, and, and blameless supporters yeah. got uh, clubbed and gassed and kettled. Um, so hopefully none of that tomorrow night. Um, I'll be on the 7.55 Eurostar with my croissants from St Pancras, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Well, look, mate, have a have a lovely and safe trip, and I look forward to you know your your wonderful match reports. As they come out, I'll be sitting here in my armchair with a glass of a very cheeky glass of Pinot Noir, I think, watching it. Uh, and uh, I hope you have a nice, safe trip. Uh, Marco, as I said, always lovely to have you on the show. Dan, great to have you on too. Jonathan, you've been superb as always. Don't forget to follow these fine gentlemen on Twitter. You can follow the Chelsea Fancast at Chelsea Fancast, me at Stanford Chidge, Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd, Dan at Dan Levine, and Mark at Gate17Marco. And, of course, don't forget to check out the website, ChelseaFanCast.com. Now, many thanks to these lovely lads, as I said, for being on the show and giving up their evening. Very gracious uh, of me, or them, to do that, rather. What am I talking about? Anyway, thank thank you, Jonathan. Where where are you when I need you, my dialect coach? (laughs) God's sake. Wonderfully well this evening. You actually used the word hitherto, which I was very impressed by. As opposed to there too. No, no, hitherto was lovely. No. Just it was beautiful to hear Thank it. You. I've oh, heard well, it for so long. I've made your evening. I'm glad you about have, that. Actually, yeah, I'm going to go away and uh, think about myself. You're going to go and ruminate on it. Yeah, something it's like, like coruscating enough for you tonight. <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> I don't even know what it means, but it sounds good. Um, anyway, lovely, brilliant to have these guys on the show, uh, and particularly lovely to have so many of you in Mixler. You you very much are what make this two hours for us worthwhile. Uh, thank you for listening. See you next time. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chills. Uh, Up the chills. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? 
At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.